I'm Aaron Sagers, and this is Talking Strange. Aloha, spooky nerds, and welcome to Talking Strange, a paranormal pop culture show with the Den of Geek Network, where we discuss the entertainment of the unexplained, and we are coming at you live from Tree 4 Music Fest. It's not really live, is it? It's We're recording it, but we're live in front of you guys in Boise, Idaho for the Hack Fort podcast stage. As always, I am your host, Aaron Sagers. I'm a journalist, author, researcher of all things weird, and I can currently be seen on the Travel Channel and Discovery Plus show Paranormal Caught on Camera. We are now filming our sixth season. So with all that said, uh, today I am joined by not one, not two, but Three guests from the local area to talk about all things spooky and weird from the City of Trees. Is that actually a nickname, the City of Trees, that about Boise? Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay. All right. Sounds like it is a cool nickname. It sounds like something from Lord of the Rings. But then again, I also was just playing Dungeons and Dragons for three hours. So maybe my mind is in that that mind frame, that mindset. So uh, let me introduce these awesome folks that are joining me on the panel today. He uh, runs an advertising company by day. He creates everything else by night. He's made feature films, creative shorts. He's worked for Funny or Die, Comedy Central, Adult Swim. He is a non-believer ghost chaser, we're going to get to that, who spent nine months chasing ghosts to make Ghostumentary. He's currently working on the sequel, Ghostumentary 2, and he has a paranormal podcast in town called Eat, Drink, and Be Scary. And outside of the paranormal, he owns a creative marketing agency and filmed two feature films in 2022. Mr. Bill Doty, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, thanks. Hi. Uh, this gentleman, right to my left, has spent nearly two decades as a journalist in Idaho before becoming the head of communications and marketing for Boise State for almost eight years and is now the executive director of, is it Searle? Searle. Yeah, place. A nonprofit arts organization built around an artist in residence program in Garden City. And he has taught in the supposedly haunted communications building. Live to tell the tale. Yes. <laughs> However, I have also heard his wife once tried to spend the night there, but got too spooked out. Mm-hmm. And this is Greg Hahn right here. Hello. And the wife that got too spooked out is also here, Julie Hahn. <laughs> she is... Not only the wife of Greg, but <laughs> once tried to spend the night there, got too spooked out. She's an occult-obsessed marketing writer, professional tarot reader, and a ghost enthusiast, and has lived in Idaho for more than 30 years, loves exploring its history, both spooky and non-spooky. Julie, thank you so much for joining as well. Thanks for having us. Cool. Guys, and thank you for being here with us. You know, the thing that I want to I wanna start with, and I do this whenever I do these talks in public, is just a show of hands who considers themselves like a diehard believer in, let's say, ghosts. Okay, diehard believer in ghosts. Okay. Uh, okay. Diehard believer in, like, cryptids, meaning Sasquatch, all things mysterious creature. Diehard believer. That 
You can't be diehard believer and then waver like right. that, sir. For the viewing audience. That is, yeah, this is a audio medium, but there's one gentleman and a blue hat. I would call him out if I knew his name. Who's, it's I said diehard, and yet he's still waffling. He's like, no, me. sir. Yes All right. No. Uh, what about extraterrestrials? Diehard believer in extraterrestrials. Mm. Mm-hmm. Dan okay. believes in extraterrestrials, okay. for sure. Oh, is his name Dan? His name's Dan. Dan, now him we're out. calling now him out. Yeah, now it's personal. <laughs> okay, so that's one side of the spectrum. The other side of the spectrum. Uh, actually, let me throw another category. What about the everything else category of the paranormal diehard believers, meaning uh, fey, elementals, uh, all the other goodies when we get out, get out there, you know? the uh, Let's see, there's the... the um, the not the skinwalkers. There's things like that. Who's diehard believer in those things? The other category. Okay. All right. Cool. Other side of the spectrum. Who is total cynic non-believer in ghosts? Okay. <laughs> okay. Still welcome. Uh, Bigfoot non-believer. Total cynic. Okay. Uh, total non-believer in extraterrestrials. Okay. I think they One, must exist. two, maybe. Okay. Not here. Uh, and then who finds himself sort of in this sliding scale in the middle that maybe these things exist, but maybe there's also a lot of, uh, you know, leaky plumbing and bad wiring in locations. Okay. All right. So a mix of people. Well, you are all welcome here because my goal today is not to convince you to believe and also not to convince you to not believe. But instead, we're going to talk about the stories, maybe touch on some history and get into some cool uh, theories out there. And I want to hear from you along the way. So get those hands up if you have some questions along the way. So with that said, we've got a good mix of people. So with my panel, the first question is big picture. Uh, I mean, this town was founded in 1863, Mm -hmm. if I'm correct. It's newer than a lot of cities out east, but definitely been inhabited for thousands of years, right? So, big picture question. What is it about Boise that makes it so different, in your opinion, as far as the paranormal? What makes it a good paranormal city? What is it about the personality of this place that makes it a great spot for the unexplained? Uh, I'll start with Bill. I think a lot of it is boredom. (laughs) <laughs> People uh, are looking for something to do. Um, I mean, obviously, there's the architecture here. It's really easy to walk down an alley and just feel like you're in 1860, mm-hmm. which is which is neat. Restoring that. I mean, you look down here and just look at like the Eidenhahn and all that just sitting there. And and the first thing you do is is you just kind of can smell the history from it. Uh, and then, of course, when you walk in, you can imagine what it was like. And then you start thinking about all the dead people there. How many people have died? How many people are, are not around? So I think because of the architecture, and I think people are just kind of looking for entertainment, uh, I think this is why there's a lot of stuff. You know, we've got big open skies. People see things all the time. They go out in canyons. They hear stories. Um, you know, I and every story I've ever heard here about anything, and I've ever researched it, there's no fact to it. But people will tell you these stories all day long. So the other fact that people have grown up here and they've been here for years and years and years, I'll say, my grandfather used to tell me about this light and this thing and this. And you're like, well, I'm going to tell that story to my kids too, and they're going to tell their kids. So I think that's one of the reasons why is I think there's a lot of history here. There's a lot of people that have been here for years and years and years, and they just tell the same story over and over. And I think that's one of the reasons why there's a lot of haunted history here. Kind of gets woven into the fabric of the town. This uh, becomes part of the lore. Right. Okay. 
Uh, actually, and before I get to Julie, I want to go to uh, Greg. You, so you're, you had your hand up as far as somewhat non-believer on these things. Yeah. Yeah. So add to that. What makes this? Do you have any other thoughts about what makes this such a great? town for the unexplained. Yeah, I think, you know, Bill's right. There are some beautiful old buildings and they're, you know, they're stuck around in what has become a really fast growing. And um, I mean, I look around, I've lived here 20 some years and half the buildings I can see out these windows here on the, we're on the fourth floor, but they weren't here when I moved here, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot, that, so we have this precious few moments of history. And so I think that becomes kind of important to us as a culture, right? To kind of grab onto something that takes us back. There was a big, you know, the urban renewal of this town ripped out a ton of old buildings because they wanted to build a mall basically right here where we are. Mm -hmm. And uh, that never happened. And so we lost all of those pieces. And so the things like the old pen and the Eidenhaw, uh, these are things that we've just really grabbed hold of and hung on to I think, yeah. as a community. Okay. Julie, do you have, because you're kind of more on the believer side of mm -hmm. things. Yeah, for sure. Do you have any additional thoughts about it? Because these guys are each kind of taking the historical stamps yeah. and the lore stamps. And I don't think that's wrong. I mean, to piggyback on what Bill was saying, I think that, um, you know, throughout Idaho's history, you've had to really want to live here. You know, it's kind of an isolated spot. Um, and so I think that people, you know, we, we like our own myth-making here. So I think that that builds upon itself over the years and over the generations. And uh, you know these stories get passed down, like Bill was saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna press you a little further because you're yeah. the one <laughs> that identified herself as a cult obsessed, yeah. As well as ghost enthusiast, as yep. well as you mentioned that this is a quote strange place with a chaotic history. Oh yeah, for so sure. So speak to that. Yeah. Well, I mean, the history of Idaho really is. Um, as, is kind of one of exploitation, really. I mean, here in the Intermountain West, um, if you came here, chances are you were, you know, if you came here a long time ago, chances are you were probably stuck here for, for some reason. You know, if any of you played the Oregon Trail growing up, you know how difficult it is to get through Idaho. <laughs> but then also, or you were coming here to make your fortune in there some way. There's so many ghosts of junior high kids from the 70s. <laughs> yeah, totally. At three, at three Island Crossing. <laughs> they all right. died of dysentery. All That's died right, of dysentery. all died of dysentery. <laughs> but also, or you, or you were coming here to make your fortune in some way, usually from mining or logging, or you were here to cater to one of those two groups of people. And so... You know, anytime you have a sort of boom and bust economy, that leads to a lot of volatility, volatility, and a lot of um, just disruption. So it's a, it's yeah, it's always been kind of a strange, disruptive, reinvention, um, heavy place. I grew up in LA, and there's not a lot of haunted history there, so there's not a lot of tales because when you stand in like in at your house and you say, you know, kids, back when. Years ago, this used to be a Kmart. You know, that's the history. <laughs> Some of these houses are over 30 years yeah, old. Exactly, and that's what it was. So there was no really haunted story. buildings. There was just asbestos, and they would tear them down for that. These buildings have been here for so long. So that's why I know more about Boise history in the 10 years I've been here than I did about anything about L.A. Um, so I think that's one of the things. It's like you can't help but just have this be sucked into your DNA when mm -hmm. it comes to the history, and you want to know about it. You want to know. People will tell you. The, this building here was a big hole for years and years and yeah. everyone can just tell you that when I first moved here that's what it was it was a hole yeah. and people can tell you all the stories behind it and they got the deeper ones about the you know there was arson there and there was this and that and one time they found a dead guy and but everybody could just go on and on about those stories I couldn't tell you anything about the neighborhood I grew up in other than it was 
hot and whatever. <laughs> you and I think you guys kind of alluded to this, but I want to pin it down a little bit more before we get to specific locations. For okay, geography. Mm-hmm. Geography plays into it. I think so. Yeah, because I like I said, I think you do have to want to be here, and so there's a there's a focus on kind of creating your own culture here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the desert is spooky, right? Yeah. If you're out there at night in the you know, as soon as you leave town, you're out in nowhere. I mean, there's a way, um, if you leave north of Boise, uh, there's a straight line to the Canadian border where you only cross nine roads mm-hmm. yeah. from here to Canada. I mean, this is the isolated middle of nowhere. So I do think that makes a big difference. And, you know, to kind of, you know, there's such deep tribal history here before, of course, white people came. And then it was a, you know, there was talk about Julie's resting, you know, that the, the tension that exists here. I mean, that was originally the part of it. Our whole culture is kind of based on resting the area away. And that, and it was a rough place to live even then. Um, if you read about the uh, party that John Jacob Astor sent toward to found Astoria, one of the first uh, European colonies, white colonies on this side of the country, they come through Boise because they're trying to follow the Snake River and they just are about to die in the desert. And, mm-hmm. And uh, some of the Shoshone point them to this river valley where there's at least a little bit more sustenance. So that um, there's a there used to be a pretty racist monument to them. Uh, but I noticed the other day that they somebody's taken off the. Is that the words. one that said the first white people yeah. here? That one? Oh, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah the, so the, 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 the bricks are still there, but the uh, words are gone. So what, what did it say? Tell it, me more. About it was this. just like civilization came to. Yeah. These I, I, like empty lands of savages. It, it was like really. It was exactly. It said wild yeah. it, this was a monument to the first white people in Idaho. Yeah. yeah. So, congratulations. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that. But that's gone. That's no longer there. Yeah. Uh, okay. But but Greg makes a good point. The geology of this place is yeah. very strange. The landscape is odd. You have like, uh, you know, in in southern Idaho, you have these big lunar landscapes. You have black cliffs here. You have caves, and you have exceptionally deep and wild rivers and you know, it's it's a it's a harsh place, but also very beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Rivers carved out of obsidian. Like there's a little stretch down in southern Idaho where it's just black rock um, through the whole creek, and it's and these springs that come up, so the water is perfectly clear, and the and the rocks are sort of weird, and it just sort of spurs all of this discussion. I mean, up north, the whole Nez Perce uh, creation story exists still in the Nez Perce Historic Trail in northern Idaho, and it has. The heart of the monster, right? The very, you know, the these sort of kind of giant supernatural beings that, you know, in in as per stories, created the earth, and all of that exists here in the state. And then again, it's it's the stories. So anything, it doesn't matter how beautiful it is or ugly it is. If there's a good story behind it, if you come and you sleep over at my house and I have this brand new beautiful home and it's designed really nice, and then you crawl into, I tuck you into bed and I say, okay, well, hey, sleep good. Oh, by the way, there's a ghost of an old man in the closet and he's going to try to eat you tonight. And I close the door and you're going to be up all night just staring at the closet because I told you that story. I think I'd be more disturbed by you tucking me in if I was staying <laughs> over at your house. Several points. I that think yeah, there's a there's a few things that we can we can parse on that. The okay so. Uh, you know, journalist, writer, uh, filmmaker, the it, the isolation of this area. I mean, it, do you think that this area being kind of separate from a lot of other spots, you alluded to sort of the boredom, people being here and being bored in the past. Do you think that has that made people perhaps more in tune to the unexplained, being somewhat separated and bored? Well, I think when people say, like, I'm going to get away for the weekend, it's not like when you're in L.A. and then you go, like, three cities over and you really go somewhere. Here, like, you're, you know, everything's four hours away. Yeah. So when people go, they go they go to McCall. 
they go to and then they go to the, but everything's still kind of the same thing it's still just idaho you know going up to sun valley uh and i the last time i was in sun valley my friends were talking about bullion county and that all the aliens that go down there because yeah. we were shooting ghost documentary and they're like if you ever go down bullion road you should go there and film all the the ufos so there's even there you're not going to escape it and it's yeah. still the it's the lore of just idaho so people when they leave here they go to idaho that's what they do so it is a bit of the boredom and it's the it's harder to get away. Have you noticed that there's an influx of other stories coming in as now uh, Boise is starting to get attention as like the hip cool spot for people to move to from the different coasts? Is there been an influx of lore from other spots that's starting to infiltrate the stories here that you've noticed, or is it yeah. still too the, new? The ghosts of affordable housing <laughs> are, are haunting <laughs> us. Those died a few years yes. ago. Yeah. Uh, a two-bedroom house for under 600000 That one, <laughs> that haunts me every day. Yeah. No, I haven't noticed that, but it would be cool if it, if it were to happen. It I don't could know, be like you? a slow burn, you know? I don't know. I, I don't hear a lot of new stories. I don't hear new stuff coming up. But then again, you know, some of the old buildings are being torn down. You think you're going to yeah. hear less and less. So every yeah, time something's sure. gone or, or a piece of land, I know there's a like a bridge in Caldwell that's mm-hmm. supposedly haunted and... And I had just heard that they were going to rip that bridge out and put another bridge out or, you know, build something else. I'm like, well, just leave the haunted one. It's not doing any harm there. Is that why they're taking it down? No, I think they just, I don't think they want anyone driving on it. Okay, this bridge bridge is too haunted. We have to take it down. But but there, but I I think that's, I'd be surprised you'd be hearing more. I think you'd be hearing less as they pull history away. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. So let's, let's get into the specifics of some locations, which I, researched a little bit and well let's say I've read it on the internet that's not the same as research but I'm familiar with some of these locations prior to coming here and you guys probably know a lot of these spots what it down the line just briefly what are your favorite let's start with the ghosty stuff the haunted spots in uh, the area so Bill why don't you start what's your what are your favorite spots uh, I mean the ones that are let's I'm gonna just kind of run downtown so I'm gonna say the Egyptian which is you know the one and, and the interesting thing about the Egyptian is that everybody talks about Joe the projectionist who had a heart attack there and died there's no proof there was ever a guy named Joe there that was projected projectionist who died but then again like I was telling you yesterday I had an experience there where I saw this ball it looked like somebody threw a ball at me and I ducked there was nothing there. It looked like this ball of light came after me when I was had my movie play there. So, and it was when I was looking up where the projectionist was, and somebody had just said, the projectionist, actually, that's where the ghost is. So, was his name Cookie? Who said right. that? Yeah. I don't know. Like, who? Well, that was the person <laughs> showing Back that. in 1815, and interviewed I have, this fellow. I have one old man voice. I'm just going to use for everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm on board with it. I'm here He's for it. Yeah. Uh, I only do one impression, uh, and it's really bad. Um, but, uh, you know, the Egyptians are really good one. And, and again, it's just really cool when you yeah. go into it. And then there's the, you can actually get into the tunnels down below. I don't know if you guys have been down on those tunnels, but you can actually have access to that. And, and it's great. Um, the Idaho building is one where, that's where our office is now, but I used to live in it. So Idaho building just right there. Um, I actually had some weird things happen to me there. And I've had when people live there, same thing. They would hear like closet doors and the hallways open and close. And there'd be no one there. I had a friend that one time took uh, my little door latch. She walked in and latched the door, which I never did. And then I walk away and she sits on the couch and then I just heard it unlatch and fall and start swinging. And I walked in and her eyes were that big. 
She said, it just unlatched. Yeah. I heard somebody screaming in my ear one time. Uh, but then again, you know, it's one of those things like your imagination is pretty crazy. Um, and then our office is in there now. We're, but I've never seen anything happen. Uh, the Garrow building, which is by 10 Barrel, just mm-hmm. right over here, our old office used to be in there. We had a camera at 3 o'clock in the morning. Every morning, almost every morning, it would go off and dust would be flying all through our mm-hmm. office. What made that happen? Why all of a sudden is just dust? What stirred up all that dust in our office? And it was in front of the camera. It was like dust everywhere. Um, I mean, those are my kind of my some of my favorite ones right there. Let me let me follow up with the Egyptian theater. So it was opened in 1927, restored 1999. Is that that's my understanding of it? With this ghost of you said Joe the projectionist. Mm-hmm. So no record of it, but what's the demeanor? What's the personality of this ghost? What what is he said? to do is he a protective friendly ghost is he more mischievous what's I've his heard, story I've heard a couple different versions but people will say like I was leaving and I got pushed down the stairs type mm, thing that's okay. the stuff that I hear a little more people, malevolent okay. they'll say people were working there and and actually one of the things that I've never heard anybody bring up but, but where in Bodo where the the Edwards used to be I don't know what it's going to be now the people that worked there swore there was they would see ghosts walking through walls and I've never heard anyone bring that. And that's, that's, that was a new building. I don't yeah. know what was there before, but people would say that. So maybe the ghosts like movie theaters. I don't know. There was an old movie. There was an older movie theater right there before. And it could yeah, that it could have been that. Exactly. But I heard people say like, oh yeah, when I was working there, I'd see ghosts. They just would walk through the walls. They would just see it. Um, what was the purpose of the tunnels? That uh, well, I'm sure. I think they were opium tunnels like there's still a lot of uh like 10th and main you could still access some of the tunnels but they were just tunnels underground tunnels it's a huge a huge lore part of boise is that that there are underground tunnels so idaho had a big chinese population uh worked with mines and and then garden city grew a lot of vegetables Uh, the rules changed pretty harshly against them and pretty much everybody was forced out but during that time there there that's sort of been an ongoing uh, one of the core, I would say, beliefs of Boise is this: mm-hmm. is that that's is is this um, these underground tunnels that connected things. Even in fact, when I moved here in the late '90s, the there's a building kind of behind us over towards the state house where um, Space Bar and uh, and the Boise Fry Company are. That had still had Chinese lettering. It was still Chinatown was still kind of here, at least in the remnants of some of the buildings. I mean, there are some tunnels. I just don't know how extensive they are. Right. But I've seen some of them. I've, like, you can access them in the Egyptian, but I don't know if they're just this underground tunnels going everywhere. Like, hey, I think I'm going to walk over to so-and-so, and then you just crawl underground. But I mean, that'd be pretty cool. But be cool. So, Julie, I know you sent me a lot of articles, articles <laughs> you'd written, which uh, all very appreciated. For you, what uh, what's your favorite spot, haunted spot, allegedly? I, I Well... I think probably the old pen. That's probably the, probably has the best chain of custody, if you want to call it that, for a ghost. Um, but also the Idenhaw, which you can see over here, which used to be a hotel and uh, is now a residential building and has some restaurants in it that is known to have a um, fairly male- malevolent ghost, I would say. Um, that's pretty noisy and does things like, you know, pulls sheets off of people in bed or, or wakes them up violently. There's a lot of poltergeist activity there. Um, also, I think uh, I, I like the military cemetery yeah. at, uh, yeah, at, at the uh, military reserve park. 
um, I think is super creepy. Uh, it's the only place I've ever seen a ghost here in Boise. Um, but yeah, I think that those three are probably the big, the top three for me. So let's talk a little bit about the penitentiary. So would you say, I know it's, a, it's appeared at least on Destination Fear, and yeah. I've, I've been aware of it prior to coming here. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's the most famous yeah, spot I would town? say probably also the most nationally famous. Yeah, there have been, there have definitely, it's definitely a big spot for ghost hunters. And also, um, over the past probably 10, 15 years maybe, I would say that the, the Historical Society, which is in charge of the old pin now, has really... Uh, amped that up and they do things they have events like frightened felons you know in October um, so it's become kind of encouraged to look for ghosts there which I think kind of feeds upon itself you know yeah my friends from the Dungeons and Dragons panel were even saying that as kids they were taken there yeah and told the story of uh, the the uh, Raymond Snowden who yeah. is hung there mm-hmm. pro- in a prolonged hanging apparently <laughs> yeah and that there <laughs> there were you guys were locked in cells too right and uh what was it called <laughs> siberia? Yeah. siberia father of the year look you can yeah. tell yeah, they're like, still traumatized yeah, over like, there like, the hope let's hope the uh, statute of limitations has passed on yeah. the child abuse that went on that that's day. that's like next level scared straight <laughs> like you know some places you just get a tour of the jail to like don't do drugs and stay in school it's don't do drugs, stay in school, or else you become a ghost at uh, the old pen kind <laughs> right, of Right, but that's also the nice thing about Idaho. It's like, kid, you want to get in that you want to get in that solitary confinement place? You go ahead. Go ahead. We'll just lock you in there and see what happens. Yeah. You know, that doesn't really that's happen true. a lot of other tell, places. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. And then you're just left alone in there, too. It's not like at Alcatraz where everybody's got their eye on you. You can just, you yeah. could really torture a child so, in, <laughs> in there. Right, you know. Which made the, my one regret is not having kids. Man, the I historical take, society should use take that. Take them and take them to the old pen. Yeah, you guys are you all are dipped into the marketing world. You should really put that in the pamphlets. The Chamber of Commerce, like bring your kids, yeah. torture them, yeah. come to Idaho, lock them in a cell. You can, throw, you can jump off a bridge in Idaho. That's yeah, that's illegal. true. You know, there's yeah. a lot of, we, we let you do things here. Right, that's sort of the, just this, the the strange part of the unexplained, <laughs> strange, right, right, right. real, and somehow legal. The yeah. so the the pen was uh, built in 1870, mm-hmm. operated for it operated years. yeah it operated until the 1970s. So yeah, so it started out as a territorial prison. It's built out of sandstone that the prisoners quarried from Table Rock, which is just above it. They had to um, build their own prison. Is that the I worst? I know. Isn't that horrible? I'd be yeah. building big holes in it, but that'd uh, just be me. So yeah, yeah so it's kind of it's impo- it's an imposing structure. Um, it, it's not as large as you might think, but but it is imposing. And it is, um, it feels strange in there. And because in the 70s, they had, uh, they had riots. And so part of, and during the riots, they, the prisoners burned down some of the buildings. So you have this sandstone en- enclosure, and then there are some burned out buildings in it. And then you have things like Siberia, you know, which is the solitary confinement area. Um, and when you're walking around in there, it's just a very odd place and you can go to the uh to the hanging room the execution chamber where snowden was <laughs> killed very slowly but um yeah so it's 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 an odd feeling place and it feels it, i don't know sandstone has a, a weird feeling when you're in it it's interesting because the Idenhaw also is built on sandstone and i was thinking this morning i'm like is it the is it sandstone haunted? it's all I don't connected know. <laughs> the yeah the uh 
so the prison, uh, what are, who are some of the famous inmates that have been associated with it? There's Snowden. Yeah, so Snowden, so Snowden, um, in the 1950s, this was, I think, like, maybe 57, 58, um, he met a woman in Garden City, and for those of you who are not from Boise, Garden City is a city that is surrounded on three sides by Boise and then on Eagle on the other. Um, and it used to be the place to go to uh, for nightlife. Um, for a while, they had gambling. That's why they separated out of Boise, so they could be they have a gambling hub of Idaho. Right, exactly. So um, so Raymond Snowden was there drinking one night at this bar called, uh, I think it was the Hi-Ho Club. He met this woman named Cora Dean. Um, after a while of drinking together, I think he propositioned her to take her home. Um, that did not go well. And according to his uh, to his confession, he said, "Well, I'll either, you know, you can be raped or I can kill you." So it, he killed her, and it was and it, it was very it was very gruesome. I'm sorry for the children here over here, but it was very gruesome. He he slit her throat, and then he he went in behind and he severed her her spinal column, and so he got the nickname very quickly, Jack the Ripper. Of Idaho, and he was actually apprehended outside of Hannafin's, which is now the Belmont Barbershop. He confessed. He um, he he went very quickly to you know to death row, and but his death went horribly wrong. So the, the old pen had just constructed a brand new hanging chamber. Um, they used to just hang people on gallows in the in the yard in the old pen. Constructed this hanging chamber. They put him in it, he dropped, and it was supposed to break his neck, but it didn't. And instead, he just swung there for 15 minutes and slowly asphyxiated while everybody watched. He, he was in a cell where he was watching this, the hangman's noose, for a year. Yes, what, yeah, I, yeah, I, exactly, yeah. yeah, which is also Horrible super view. creepy. Yeah, yeah. Right, it's just not the view you want when you're in jail. Yeah, and so, so now the stories are that, you know, there's this kind of violent ghost out there who does things like scratches people, slams doors, you know, people will feel them, you know, themselves being pushed and things like that when they're on tours out there. So, yeah. Surprise there's not the ghost of the guy that designed the gallows for <laughs> right. going horribly, just a ghost out of embarrassment right. for sticking right, right, around. Right. The I don't know, I think, I was thinking when she was describing that, I would be surprised if the legislature passed created that like all 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 of our execute not right. only are we going to keep the death penalty but we want it to be this lousy slow hanging system right not any of this other stuff yeah uh so you mentioned the Idenha as well mm-hmm. um and that that's you said that that's sort of where you've heard there's more of a a nasty ghost is that across he, the board are all of you are hearing this or? well yeah have you, have you well there's supposed it? to be a bellhop also bellhop, and yeah. the elevator that goes up and down we right. actually filmed it in there for ghost yeah. and was having somebody who had a story about that that the elevator that they got in the elevator they felt it go up the door opened they were still in their one in the same spot oh they went for the fourth floor got in the elevator hit the button felt it go all the way down uh door opens are still on the top and then he just ran down the stairs. Mm. I don't know how yeah. scary that is, but that's what happened to him. And and a lot of people were coming up saying, oh, I had the same thing. I was in an elevator, and I just felt it moving, and it didn't move. Yeah. So, so that was a thing. Yeah, when so for when the Eidenheim was being refurbished, sort of, um, several years ago, there was a gallery in the basement called the Basement Gallery. And um, Perry, who was the guy who owned it, and so he would be in there a lot. In fact, he was, I think for a while, he actually lived there as kind of the sole person. It was in this transition period. And he would tell... I mean, just all night. He said, you know, water 
turning on in other apartments, you know, up like several stores up that hadn't had anybody in it forever and all these other, you know, noises and sounds. He he I think never really felt like overly um threatened. Threatened. Yeah. But boy did he have a lot of stories. You know, there's another connection between the Eidenhaw and the old prison. Uh, we had a governor around the turn of the century, Stunenberg, who was assassinated by the uh, mining um, union. And they had hired this guy named Harry Orchard, and he rigged a bomb in his Caldwell home, and when he opened the gate, it blew up. There's a statue of, for Stunenberg in front of the uh, state house. That turned into what was then called the trial of the century, and it was this huge ordeal. Clarence and Darrow Clarence came. Darrow came to defend the... Uh, Harry Orchard, who was you know held on on trial, and Harry Orchard was at the old, in the prison, um, and all of this kind of really was recapped in a in a huge, wonderful book called The Big Trouble. And it, J. Anthony Lucas was the um, author. He was a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist uh, from New York, and he spent a ton of time out here working on this. He lived in the Eidenhaw while he was here, and as he was finishing the book, he went back to New York and uh, committed suicide. And it really kind of carries this whole, I mean, carried that story another hundred years forward with this, like the specter of death and doom. Kind of like a curse, yeah, you know, an alleged curse element to it. Yeah. Followed him all the way home and he couldn't escape. Yeah. Have you, have you been in there yet in the Idaho? No, I have not. Yeah. No. It's cool. I mean, you can go to, so 10th Street, 10th Street Station is um, the oldest bar in Boise and that's in the basement of the Idaho. And it's, you know, when you're kind of wandering around in there, you know, in the bathroom or whatever, you're like, knows there's some there might be something behind me you know it just has that kind of weird feeling in there uh, you know you find at least when I'm reading these lists of the most haunted locations around here the same kind of spots mm -hmm. keep popping up and and it's because the stories are told over and over again and then some uh, journalist writes a list and then another journalist mm -hmm. sees that list and they just you know it just keeps kind of replicating are there locations that you think are these hidden gems where you think there might actually be things going on, some spooky stuff going on, that don't get a lot of love or attention, or not so famous, but you think might actually have some uh, haunted uh, bona fides. Uh, There's one spot uh, where China, well, not, is it China? That's not China Blue, what is it? Strange Love or something? Strange, Strange yeah, Love. The, the old Turnbrine building. So that used to be a gym, a, kind of a German-based gym. And then during World War World War One, they kind of kicked everybody out because we're nice. Go away, Germans <laughs> that live here, aren't we neat? Anyway, after that, it's turned into a bunch of different things. But I've heard a lot of people. A friend of mine was a DJ in that building for years. And he said people are always telling stories about it being haunted, but nobody wants to, you know really talks about it a lot because it'd just be a glass being knocked off the table or um, you know just suddenly hearing a door slam, but nobody's really seeing anything. And another spot that. As Boise Brewing, which is the the building, I don't even know how old that building oh, is. Really? And one example is, Tanya and I were just sitting there one night having a conversation, and somebody said, "Hey, how's that ghost movie coming?" And Tanya says, "Oh, the ghost movie." And then the glass just her beer just mm. flew off the table. No one knows how that happened. And then people say there when they're there late at night, just hear all sorts of noise and footsteps and things like that. So, you know, I think you you're going to get spooked out in any building that you're in downtown if it's late at night yeah. and you're alone but when these people kind of have these same stories over and over i mean you gotta have to check it out a little bit and believe it a little bit mm -hmm. uh, in order for it to be elevated to the the sort of the famous ghost story level 
I've, I've found a lot of times it does help to have either a coalescing event or that signature character associated with it. So mm -hmm. there might be these stories, or it might be this activity happening everywhere, but it doesn't quite break through to the famous level. So, and it should be noted that Tanya is your uh, one of your co-hosts on. Yep, it'd be scary. Yeah. Hi, yeah. you want to wait? <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Speech. You're speech. Right you're right about the name. I mean, Dinah. I mean, the the old uh, com building on Boise State is supposedly haunted right. by mm -hmm. a woman named Dinah who. So that was the first. That was one of the very first buildings on campus. It was the student union. They would have dances in there. And, um, supposedly, she was stood up by her boyfriend. Yeah. See, this is the problem with this story and a lot of ghost stories. <laughs> well, wait, well, finish okay. the story and then let's unpack okay, okay. the problems with it. Well, okay. yeah, she was so devastated because her one this the the man she couldn't live without was with another woman at the dance that she hung herself upstairs. Yeah, supposedly. Do I continue, like, ever since I've heard that, I continually blur her in my head with the burned-up costume lady from the Icy Dead People movie? What? Right? Remember <laughs> that? Sixth Sense? Sixth Sense, and the lady was, like, in the theater or whatever with the burned-up faces. And yeah, and I, so I always have to go back and try to remember if Dinah was a costumer or just a sad uh, teeny bopper, and so, it turns out. So <laughs> the, the, the stories of the comm building being haunted... Mm -hmm. You know, the, uh, you hear that a lot, but you're saying as far as this building that was built in the mid-1900s, right, there's no actual proof of that character. I'm sure that was Bill's done the research on that, right? On, the, which on one Dinah? Is it the on Dinah and the Boise Old Con building? building at Boise State. Oh, no, I was thinking, I was getting at the Boise Little Theaters when I was getting oh, that. Oh, yeah. Because that's got the same story with it. There's somebody there who supposedly haunts and was a costumer or something like but that. that. So was, I've heard. But that was they actually had a fire there at the Boise Little Theater. See, that's me. Died. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So I've heard that on two it's different. Movie, guys. I haven't heard that, that BSU, but the same story you told, I heard for Boise Little Theater. And we have friends there that, that teach and say, oh yeah, there's a ghost here. Like uh, about a young woman that took her own life because she was a, a jilted by. There was the story I heard that it was somebody there that. Died in a fire. Oh, okay. They, they okay. worked there, and there was like cost. You know, they did costumes or something like that. Mm -hmm. But then again, it's more just. I mean, I've heard the story, but it's a lot of people saying. I know. Pe I bet ten people who have had put on plays or worked in there will say, "Oh yeah, that place is haunted." Right? They don't even take a beat. They're like, "Yeah, it's haunted." Which is pretty much said about every theater, movie theater. Like yeah. there's, but and not because it's full of drama, people. Right? Oh but. yes, yeah. There is a lot of drama there. Not and not even dismissing it. It's you know you could go into the levels of theories about uh, the energy, the strong emotions that that happen there. But I, I want to hear from you, uh, Julie, about the the comms building. Yeah. Because you've experienced something there. You were spooked there. Yeah. But you also kind of speak to the, the lore a little bit and the troubling nature. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, as a woman, I have a problem with ghost stories that start with a woman was stood up and so she killed herself. I mean, that's just like not very plausible. So I, and also in doing the research, let me back up. Back in the day when I used to work at the Idaho Statesman newspaper here, um, uh, Jean Huff and I were invited to go spend the night at the comms building. Uh, which we attempted to do. Uh, we took the Idaho Spirit Seekers, which is kind of like a ghost hunting, or was a ghost hunting outfit there. Um, and yeah, we locked ourselves in, and we were going to spend there, we were gonna be there all night. We got too spooked, we had to leave. <laughs> but um, but yeah, the old the old Sioux Ball is, is a, I, I just, I, 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 don't, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. We did see some, we did see some weird things there. So the Spirit Seekers did capture 
some orbs on camera that seemed to, usually orbs are basically probably dust particles most of the time, right? Um, I mean, there's, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's we could get into it. It's, it's like, a whole it's thing. It's a great orb debate. Is it dust? Is it an insect? Is it, is it moisture? Or, yeah. you know, is it something else? Right. <coughs> but <It's> these, dust. <laughs> <laughs> right. But these orbs seem to move very purposefully. It was, a, it was a shot of the hallway with the soup ball on one side. There were doors, closed doors on the other. And the orbs seemed to be moving in between the two uh, the two, like the the various doors on either side, like they seem to be going in and out. So that freaked us out. Um, but it's interesting, you know. Greg was talking about the theater thing. The legend of Dinah uh, really started when the theater students started working in in the comms building, mm -hmm. and that was probably in the '60s and '70s and into the '80s. Um, and that's when really the legend of Dinah kind of took off. The funny thing about being so freaked out about being there overnight is that we left early. Gene and I left early. Um, so early, in fact, that we were not there for all of the traps that the comms professors had set for us. They had set up like recordings and like <laughs> things to go off like at three o'clock in the morning and we didn't we didn't make it in time to be properly scared. So that would have really changed the nature of the article. But wow. yeah. I, I want to talk I about know. <laughs> I want to so I want to talk a little bit about this uh, women ghosts and, and, and uh, men ghosts. Yeah. So yeah. yes uh, every time a woman dies, it's a horrible story. She got she got stood up, or yeah. her true love left, didn't Heart come broken. home, and she yeah. And then you say, but now she's this beautiful ghost in this beautiful dress, and she floats the halls, and she's so beautiful. And then every time like it's a guy dies, it's like he was a terrible guy, and he killed his mom, then stabbed a horse, and then he <laughs> and then he's now then he caught on fire, and now he's ugly and blah blah. So like you never hear about these beautiful men ghosts that walk. They're like he's so handsome. I, I, it's I always like these like and the women ghosts are always so beautiful. So I think that's wrong. I, I mean, I, I, I think that's sexist. That's I have heard, well, I agree it's sexist, but I think in, in the other way, because, well, I have heard about the stately gentlemen or the people, the guys in suits, but I agree for the most part, it is the person that has done something horrible, the male that's left around as a ghost. But when you unpack that, think about it. It's, there's a lot of misogyny in our ghost stories and ghost stories that are the most popular tend to be created by, or at least told by basically white dudes so when you think about it what that is suggesting is that you're gonna move on to some whatever peaceful afterlife if you're a male as long as you're not doing something horrible but the the quote-unquote weaker sex like simply being heartbroken is enough to turn them into a ghost so there is that weird misogyny with that as well so i i just find that fascinating it's repeated throughout culture over and over again mm -hmm. with that said I think that it is human nature to try to apply meaning to uh, to explain the unexplained, and the way we do that with ghost stories is by giving an identity to our ghost, by naming it Dinah or whatever. Do you think that there are locations in this in this area that are cases of uh, ghosts of mistaken identity that we go into locations asking for Joe the projectionist or Dinah, the jilted uh, young woman, but instead there's something else entirely there, and we're we're missing it because we're just saying like, "Hey, uh, is Joe here? Can we talk to Joe? Joe, were you the projectionist? Joe, did you, what was your favorite movie?" And we're kind of missing the beat because. And the real ghost is like, oh, "I'm so sick of like Joe. Why does anybody <laughs> ask about me?" Yeah. Well, one of the show, there's a British show called Ghosts, 
that Julie yeah. loves, and they and it's a haunted mansion, and it's not, and it has the typical, you know, people, but it goes all the way back to this caveman who's there, yeah. right? And it's just this random assortment of people over the history of a two thousand years, or ten thousand years, or whatever. I was an anthropology major; I should have done better with that. <laughs> uh, that yeah, millions, I think. Yeah, 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 some like, of, sick, I don't know, some amount of time, and <laughs> right, and it long. kind of points at that idea, like, you know, if one ghost is here and this building's been around for 700 years shouldn't there be a few others but to your point i think there is probably some sort of weird em- energy at the comms building um i mean how could there not be it's been full of just college students <laughs> for like 75 years they just definitely a lot of weird residual energy hanging around Still there hormones <laughs> yeah exactly hormones like ranging drama students uh but uh but yeah, but also it's one of those places, I think that the, the space has a lot to do with it as well. It's an old building, but it has been kind of um, rejiggered over the years. You know, they're like drop ceilings, like the materials don't really seem to fit with it in a lot of places. And I think that that kind of lends to its own weird disquieting feel, feeling. Bill, what's what, I, I want to get more definition on this non-believer ghost chaser, and then I'm going to follow <laughs> it up with a question on that. But explain that especially considering doing a paranormal podcast doing a documentary <laughs> working on another documentary explain i hate myself that's why <laughs> yeah it's a lot of self-loathing yeah, okay yeah. you are an artist uh, yeah. <laughs> so tell me about non-believer ghost chaser so i mean like every other kid i grew up watching or i like i think most kids like every horror movie i could yeah um we'd always try and scare each other and find old houses and sleep in them uh by old houses like 15 years ago this house was built and uh you know but we were always trying to find ways to to scare ourselves and even like i remember my dad late at night we'd all go to bed and he'd go outside to smoke a cigarette and he'd start scratching on our window just in like because it was fun and we'd go haha i hate you dad but uh i it, and then I started watching a lot of the the reality ghost shows. Mm-hmm. And every time I'd go, oh, that's BS. Like, mm-hmm. why does everything have to be a ghost? Why does everything? Everything like, well, we found out there's a ghost here. So I moved here 10 years ago. And when I moved here in February, the sun didn't shine for, for six weeks. I'm not kidding. Like, the sun didn't shine once. And uh, I so I watched like, and, and at the time you can watch Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventures, all that stuff was like, yeah. you could binge it. So I binged it all. And I said, this is a little silly. I'm gonna see if I can find, really find a ghost. So I kind of would periodically go here and there. And then finally I just went gung-ho, went to like Virginia City, I went to San Francisco, went to, um, went to Seattle, areas through here trying to find stuff. And I, f- I found stuff I can't explain, but for me just immediately just label it a ghost is kind of silly. But there are things on camera that I can't explain. Footsteps or, you know, doors opening and closing when you know no one's in the building. So I love doing it because I love the adrenaline. And I want to know that I'm wrong. I want to know that everyone else is right. Because it's the same thing. It's like being an atheist. Mm -hmm. You're still a minority. So just assume you're right when everybody else thinks the other way. Of course, there's 3,000 religions out there, so it could be anything. It's the same way with, like, I want to know I'm, I want to be proven wrong. Because it would be very, it, it would just be ignorant for me just because if I feel some way to assume I'm right. So I want to chase ghosts. I want to find them. Do I, And I, I like that. And I, I think you and I share a lot of the, even though we kind of are in different paths, I think we share a lot of that philosophy. Do you, well, okay, first off, are you easily spooked? Well, that's yes and no. I mean, that's, 
I still get, can get scared in a basement by myself at night. You know, I'm still going to run really yeah. fast to the bathroom sometime because at night, and they're like, oh, I mean, and it's like, what was going to get me? I don't know something. It's dark. But, you know, I just, I, I do get spooked really easily. I do get like watching, going out at night and walking down an alley late at night. You know, I don't know what's scaring me, but I, it's scary. And maybe it's because I've seen 500 movies in my life where someone gets killed doing that same thing or a ghost comes out. Like, well, it's also just a, it's, it's just a survival instinct bred into us for millions of years or however old cavemen are. The, uh, the, the spidey sense, years. you know, our spidey sense tables. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I, I don't, like I can watch a scary movie and enjoy it and laugh and I, didn't, I don't walk out going, oh my gosh, that's so scary. But I, I can still get spooked in certain areas. And when I do the ghost hunting stuff, and I, and I hang out with this really good group of ghost hunters here, and I, we've gone out and we filmed in people's houses, yeah. and every time we've done it, these guys will be honest and say, your house isn't haunted, it's this or that. Mm -hmm. you know. And, and I like that. I really, I'm, I'm, that's the way I think it should be done. But still, like, we're sitting in a basement and it's quiet, and you're like, it's kind of scary. You know, not that I'm waiting for. I'd love for a ghost to come out and scare the crab out of me. I want that to happen. I want to scream like a three-year-old and just sprint and get it on film, and then at least I, I know. What is a ghost? Define a ghost. See, and that's a hard one because there's a lot of different types of ghosts. I, I'm not a ghost doctor, so I can't tell you the science behind it. <laughs> ghost doctor. But, I, <laughs> but I'm going to greenlit that show. <laughs> but like, uh, ghost doctor. Ghost doctor. Uh, he's dead. Um, but, you know, obviously we see with our brains and not our eyes. And ghosts themselves probably wouldn't reflect light. So it's got to be something that we're visually picking up, whether we are manifesting it in our brain off of because we know something's there. It's one of these things like kind of we talked about. If I tell you there's a ghost of a guy over there in, in overalls and it's really dark at night and you see a little bit of light, you might see a that. You Power might see the guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's one of those things. So. Is, is a ghost just uh, a form of energy pushing things off to the ground? Is it something walking around that's like, hey, I'm a ghost, what's up? Mm -hmm. Is it something reliving life over and over, or death over and over, kind of like just on repeat? I don't know, I don't know what it is, but is it my, my friend from high school who died and he just occasionally walks around and visits me? Like, I'm gonna see what Bill's up to, and that's why he screamed in my ear that one time and then left. Like, I'm gonna go see some other friends. I don't know. I guess we won't know until we die. Yeah. And then the whole concept of, well, when I die, I'm going to go live in that old creepy house there. No, I'm going to die. I'm going to live in somebody's house that has like all the streaming channels. <laughs> and I can just kind of hang out. Maybe they got a pool. <laughs> I can go swim, right? That's where I would go. <laughs> I'm not going to be in an old creepy building. Although there are theories nice. that ghosts are afraid of water, that that's a barrier. Well, fine. I'll, a spectral barrier. I'll go hunt. Just a theory. but I I'll hunt Disneyland. Yeah, that's well, the one. Well, you have to die at the right place, don't you? Have to like, aren't you place bound? Well, that's, well, the that's all right. Theory, so that's yeah. why I want to ask you guys: What yeah. is a ghost? Where's your thought on the ghost? What makes a ghost? Give me what's the recipe for a ghost? Oh man, I wish opinion. I knew. I wish I knew. But but yeah, I I agree with Bill. I do, I don't know what exactly ghosts are. I don't know if they're residual energy, if they're uh, our own projections, if you know, if places become uh, or if a an entity becomes kind of stuck repeating something traumatic over and over and over again. I really don't know. I would I would like to believe that it's, you know, something with its own agency a little bit, 
but I really have no idea. So is it, going back to the uh, to the is it where you died? Is it where your body ended up? Right. Because uh, the Gibson, which is these apartments over here, that used to be a funeral home. Yeah, for sure. And talking to the leasing agent, they kept, which is weird, they kept the name of the funeral home. Mm-hmm. But anyway, they did. And I was talking to her, and she said, "You know, welcome I, to the Gibson to Funeral Home Apartments." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's really it. We're dying to have you move in. Uh, and it's uh, so she's they park in the basement, and she's. I was telling her that that was probably the morgue area. That's where she said, "I didn't know that this was a was a morgue. I didn't know it was yeah. a funeral home." And she goes, "That explains why I now explains all the times I hear ghosts down there." So I thought, "Well, does a ghost just go along for the ride and say that's enough? Like I died here, and then they took my body to the hospital." And then they took me to the morgue, and then they buried me there. Am I here? Am I here? I'm here, here, or am I just everywhere? Or are you back at, right, you die in the old folks' home, but you're connected to the house that you lived in for 50 years, or how does that? Well, that, yeah, so what do you think is, what what makes a ghost? Uh, That's a good question. I think that, I think it's very culturally organized, right? People Mm -hmm. in Japan have a version of connecting with people who used to live, and people in Mexico have a way of connecting with people who used to live. So I think that there's a lot of, uh, a lot that we sort of put a put whatever our cultural overlay is mm-hmm. on it, um, but yeah, to the same point. I mean, people are ma- you know we know that electrical sparks you know are at, at work in our brain, and there's energy in you know in the in the carbon parts of our body, right? And then it goes somewhere, whether it goes into the dirt and into a worm and into a bird and into Flower, you know yeah. right yeah, or it if there's a piece of that that hits out. I don't know. I think that it's my hunch is that it's just a cultural overlay, right? It's like we want to, we don't want to say goodbye to the, especially the people we know and love, right? Um, but let alone to kind of, you want to connect to history. You want to sort of find ways to sort of feel like we're, you know, there's some sort of trajectory or meaning or whatever in, in what we're doing. And so I think that we look for those things. Yeah, well, and, it, yeah. and I, I, I most certainly agree. I think that we, well, we're, we're terrified of death or talking about death mm-hmm. or confronting death, especially in Western culture. And other cultures kind of process it a little bit better. So we're doing everything to avoid discussing it. And also, I think ghost stories are a really fun way of keeping history alive. It's history demanding to be, to be told. I always kind of think that I think it's all of the above with ghosts. What makes it ghosts? If ghosts are out there, maybe this word ghost is just an umbrella term and it can encapsulate maybe a residual something burnt into a place energetically maybe it is someone that decides to linger where they died and maybe it's you know someone that's like screw it i'm a ghost i'm gonna go over to fiji and hang out for a bit and <laughs> right. uh whatever beaches or, would be way more or, haunted I or think, another was dimensional entity or something from another timeline i think those can all it's uh, just you in the multiverse brushing against yourself. Uh, you know, I mean, there are some really interesting stories that seem like it could be what, it, that we could be the ghosts to someone in another well, pe- time. People leave their, people leave a trace, though, of their stuff. So I work at Searle's Place, which is a, it's a house and a studio that was a woman built for herself. She's a, Searle Mitchell was an artist. Lovely woman, and she died about 10 years ago, and now artists come, and they live in her house, and they make art. And every single one of them talks about feeling kind of nurtured yeah. in there, and this space, this sort of caring space. Greg's over sitting here. He's on our board. He's heard those stories. You know, people connect, and I think they connect with her because all of her stuff is still there, right? The books that she read, the art that she worked on, the, the little knickknacks she gathered from all over the world, like her personality 
lives in that house just as strongly today as it did 10 years ago. So there's some, I mean, you know, I think that there's meaning in the decisions people made, whether they're, they decorated an old hotel and you can sort of feel who they are from that, or they're, you walk into a creepy old house or a house that's been preserved, like a mansion that, mm -hmm. you know, that is like you can go on tours for or whatever, yeah. you know, that you have in a lot of places. Like when you preserve something, you see the choices they made and their aesthetics and their, and you can imagine how they live. And I think that that starts to trigger in your mind a little bit more visceral feeling for them. Uh, we really we really like to apply rules to even the paranormal and mm -hmm. and a lot of times those are uh, the you know defined at least in the US by largely a, a white dudes that are kind of setting the template for how ghosts are and whatnot obviously there are a lot of cultures a lot of people that exist and have existed long before European settlers kind of, or you know, colonists came in, and I want to expand out a little bit to that and talk about some of the. When we talk about the paranormal, it's not just ghosts, but it's everything that's not currently defined by science. Let's chat a little bit about some Native American stories, some other legends, as they are represented in this area. I, I, Julie, I'll throw it to you because you you. Uh, when we were chatting, you mentioned the um, the Shoshone uh, uh, water babies, right? Uh, well, actually, Greg kind of knows a little bit about that. I don't know. I don't know so much. Julie about doesn't that. believe that it's real. Well, well, well tell us well, well, what they are. She doesn't. No, she she's like those Shoshone don't know what they're talking about. No, she doesn't no. think it's a Shoshone thing. She thinks that so maybe you're it's dismissing the, all the, of Native American no, that's beliefs. Not what she's doing. No, she's just is, said a lot of words just, just got put in my mouth. She just sir. no. She told me this morning that she she has seeing that maybe that is another thing that white people have kind of put on uh, other folks that they have this belief the idea was try, of course you know we talked about it earlier with the, with the hunt party that came through this was a hard place to live you know you would eat your dried salmon all non-salmon season right until your last dried salmon i can't even imagine what that was like and um so rough place to live and and the, and the weather had a had a big impact on you know, whether the, you know, there was a reason they were small nomadic tribes around here. You just couldn't get any bigger in the desert. And so there were, there's this lore that in eastern Idaho especially that at times of like really severe drought and famine, the, uh, you women would drought, would take their babies down to the river. And instead of trying, you know, they had other babies to take care of and so they would put them in the water. And uh, they would die there, but then these, these uh, children would sort of still be in the water, maybe malevolent, maybe luring you to your death, but maybe just being there, maybe kind of, you know, bubbling up. And there are other water, you know, there's a there's a spirit lake in in North Idaho, was in the Kootenai area, and there's a story of a lovelorn couple. This is at least this is slightly better. This was a prince, or there you know the daughter of the of the chief and a and her and the and the man she loved in their village, but she was promised to another you know, for political reasons and all of that, was promised to another, and the two of them decided to kill themselves in the lake, and their spirits are still there today. That's, mm -hmm. that's, that's about three hours away, right? That, oh, that's, uh, no, Kootenai's, like still, yeah, that's yeah. probably eight hours away. Let, let me, uh, I want to I wanna just backtrack a little bit to these, to these water babies. The water right, <laughs> the, the, these vengeful, infant-like spirits of drowned children, or other, other, lore connect uh, other lore attributed to indigenous people around here is that it could also be entities posing mm -hmm. as children now that gets wrapped up a lot with 
as as people come in from the outside because that calls to mind sirens, that calls to mind kelpies and uh, nixes, these seductive forces near the water. Is that actually based on what you know? Is that actually something that is represented within these native people's lore or is that something that we started saying, the white people started saying like, hey, by the way, this is, uh, this is something they believe. I don't know, I have my suspicions that it's the latter, but I'm not really sure. I don't know enough about it, to Why, be honest. What makes you, I, I'm just curious, like. Um, just because if you grow up in the West, you know, like Greg was mentioning that, that story about Spirit Lake, you cannot throw a rock without hitting the same story, like over and over and over again. And I just, I, but I've never heard a native person tell me that story. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I, so I naturally distrust it. Well, I don't think they want to be like, hey, it's where we used to drown our babies. Well, I don't think there's yeah. like, it's a happy spot for them. I but, don't know. And also with, uh, with some of the other cultures, they're, there reaches a point of reluctance in sharing those stories because they know other people are just going to use it, capitalize on it, and exploit it. Yeah, sure. Well, and we put it through our filter, right? It's like you might have heard a story that was kind of deeply embedded. You know, Coyote is a is a you know a, a mischievous god who right. could do sorts of things like that, pretend to be your baby or whatever, and it shows up in all these different stories across cultures and Native American uh, lands out here. So, but then it was heard by. You know, old white men who wrote it down, or young white men who wrote it down, and it gets translated into our understanding of what a ghost is. Right. right. So is that are these spirits in the water a ghost like we would think about a ghost, or are they something else? Some sort of entity. And yeah, I mean, and maybe in those original stories, it wasn't necessarily something bad or evil or reflecting poorly on the mothers who did that. It was mm-hmm. simply the way you survive the winter. Whereas now. Through our through that lens, it's like oh those savage people doing that horrible thing. How could they to their children? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Let let me also ask you about uh, I get I guess either slimy slim or slimy Charlie, slim. depending Charlie. on which name you prefer. Slimy slim. I you know what is it? What is it? Slimy slim uh, was supposedly seen. I'm going to keep this as alliterative as I can. Slimy Slim was supposedly seen <laughs> in uh, Lake Cascade back in like the 20s, right? And there was, and it was, you know, Loch Ness monster. What's the Lake Champlain champ? Champion. You know, every 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 lake has its own uh, thing, and so. There were supposedly a few sightings of this guy that they called Slimy Slim. It dates back to the 1920s, this, yeah. the sightings. Of the yeah, time. yeah, yeah. And then somebody, and I think and according to, you know, it, you know, all this is, supposedly somebody wrote a letter to the editor that says, well, that's a terrible name. We should call him Charlie, um, which isn't that much better, but I guess it's less, it's more friendly. And now it mostly shows up in, like, kids' drawing cartoons and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he's... Uh, Something that's commonly spotted anymore in McCall. I, I don't know that it, Charlie was ever commonly spotted <laughs> in McCall, actually. But uh, yeah, no, I think it's a, it was a great marketing by the cha- McCall Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> yeah, the they 50s, still are I very think. proud of it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'm not a big yeah. I don't. I think it's sort of like having been in marketing and in newspapers. You know that stuff is it it it, uh, it, it moves copies off the you know. Moves your nickel newspaper off the off the off the 
what did wherever we sold news, news newspapers from? I can't even remember. <laughs> Bill, weigh in on Charlie. So I want to I want to go back uh, uh, to the Native American real right. quick. Uh, so my ex-wife, she's Shoshone Bannock. She was born on the reservation, and we had a daughter together. And when I but when I first met my ex-wife, she would say that sometimes late at night I wake up and there's a man standing over my mm. bed just staring at me, and she had this feeling that he was protecting her, that's checking in on her. And she was her her parents had died on the reservation, so she was adopted off the reservation. Um, and uh, so she would see this, and when her and I got together, got married, disappeared. We had a daughter, uh, and I found out that afterwards that she used to say, hey, mom, there was somebody in my room last night. So, which is, yeah, kind of an interesting thing, and she never told her that story. So that was a very interesting thing. She was almost night terrorish where she couldn't move. She would just stare at my ex-wife. She would just stare at it, and it just stopped one day. When she told me about it, and then I, it was never when we were together, and then when we got married, it never happened again. Mm -hmm. So it was just somebody who, like watching. Shifted to thing. the daughter then, right? Had to keep. What's that? It had to shift to take care of the daughter. Well, yeah. So I don't know. If I, but then again, my daughter probably she sleeps like a rock now, or she stays <laughs> up all night watching YouTube videos on her phone. So I don't right. think that even the ghost has an opportunity <laughs> to do anything. Or the or, ghost is trying to wake her up, like, hey, hey, right? put out that cat video again. Come on, well, let's it. We, you know, talking about the water stuff, whether it's goat voices in the water like at Spirit Lake or the babies gurgling. I mean, if you've ever been, do you ever camp next to a stream or a river? Where we have, Julie and I are lucky enough to have a little cabin up in Atlanta, which has got to be full of ghosts if everything ever was. And Julie can tell you some stories about that. It's a little old mining town uh, from the 1860s that came became kind of a ghost town for a long time. And then people started redoing some of the old houses there. And we're right next to a creek. And so when you sleep in our bedroom, that creek is gurgling all night long. And I, I hear, I am certain that people are out there talking. And every once in a while I can get a few words. And then I'll be like half asleep listening to, I'm like, man, why, are, why is everybody in the yard talking so much? And I can almost follow the conversation. And then I wake up a little bit more and realize it's just the water, right? I mean, I think water... Our aquarium. We talk about that all the but time. The our creek, aquarium. The talked to you last night. Our aquarium. It's the same thing. You'll be lying there. You'll wake up and you're like, "Is the TV on? What is that sound?" You realize, "Oh, it's the aquarium because it has a little waterfall thing in it, and it sounds just like people it's, talking." It, I would like be words. remiss if I did not mention, though, that there are at least theories uh, that a spirit can utilize that white noise to kind of project their voice. That it's mm. actually a way. Now, granted, I will also say. Whatever you say about anything, you could find paranormal investigators or just anyone <laughs> right. that's going to be like, well, that's actually how the ghost manifests. But there are stories that, I mean, and even with investigative tools, they will use things that project white noise or right. shuffle through radio stations to, you know, project voices, according to the theory. So the white noise part goes back a long time static. That makes sense. You know. That's how they can get their voices through. Because the other way the I'm theory. certain I'm hearing voices is we have a little old dog, like a Lhasa Apso or something, and she starts to snore. And if I'm half asleep, I'm like, oh, there's a bunch of people talking outside. And then it dawns on me there's just noises coming from that dog. So. When we were doing Ghost Humanity, we had a woman with a ghost box, and she was, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you hear banana. She's like, oh, ghosted banana. But <laughs> but it was really, there was like seven of us in this room, and, and it's it's in the movie, but you hear and I hear, to me, what sounds like jeweler. And it sounds like a jewelry commercial. But jeweler. And then it keeps going. And she says, did you hear that? It says, kill you. Um. And then everybody in the room is like, no, I heard like Volkswagen. Everybody heard just heard something. So it was really interesting. Listen, it was 
And then we just kept doing it. We'd hear a word like, would you, would everybody kind of write down what you put it on your head, what you heard? And we'd all say it was totally different every time. I know it goes, I'm going to yell that for this, but the ghost box is bunk. It's nothing. It's just you're hearing words and you can do anything you want with them and pretend it's saying anything to you. But, but it's also everybody hears something different. So yeah, if we could be listening to the same Creek mm-hmm. and probably hear two different conversations. hear sentences, hear conversations and go, oh my gosh, that just spoke to me. It just said, there's a cell at Macy's. Like, that's not what I heard. It said, go change your oil. Those yeah. are the two things you're going to go hear from. I, I mean, I overall, I kind of take the approach that, you know, maybe a lot of these things are not paranormal. But, okay, let's use the, the orb example. I think most of the time, yes, it is probably insect or dust particle or moisture or whatever. But I also don't know that if something was, I mean, what you explained in the Egyptian theater sounds pretty peculiar to me. And so I also don't know that I would take a stand saying that is not a ghost or that is not how a ghost would operate if a ghost were to... I don't know. Nobody's come back with the handbook for the recently uh, deceased or whatever, you know? It's so blank. Like, yeah, so, like, I don't know. Uh, but, so, who knows? I mean, with the ghost box, I will say, okay, so everybody, based on what we've said, is, is aware of what this ghost box is, right? Or does anybody want more details on it? You, too, can get a ghost box. There's... There is this method called the Estes method. And what that is, is more of a sensory deprivation. You're wearing headphones where you can hear the signal, but if done right, you cannot see anyone, they're noise canceling, so you're not hearing any of the outside uh, uh, questions. And so if I'm wearing the device, you would be the person just posing questions to whatever potential entity or ghost might be out there, but I'm hearing the responses. So I'm just saying, I hear, Jeweler, I can't say it. Uh, or I hear kill you or whatever. Uh, but it may or may not be responding to what the questions you're asking. I'm not saying that's hard and fast way of saying this place is haunted or not, but it, it creates more of a controlled situation in theory. Somebody say they have a question? Oh, I thought I heard. <laughs> I thought I heard someone say they have a question. Um, yeah. Oh, look at that. Ooh. Uh, yeah, uh, let me ask. Back when this building was built, yeah. four <laughs> years <laughs> ago, <laughs> there was a tragic accident. Who knows? Maybe something's sticking around. The, I want to ask a little bit about other kind of creatures, cryptids, things in the area. And there is, I actually have not said this out loud, so I don't know how to say it. The little people in the mountains, the Nim- Nimaragar, or I, Yeah, Nim- I believe you say it. Nimaragar, but I'm not entirely certain on the on the pronunciation. They're also known by a few um, other names, but yeah, the um, Shoshone people have this legend of this these tiny fierce people who uh, would also they would eat each other, and they were supposedly had very like a long pointed teeth, almost like extra like super vampire teeth, Um, and supposedly they lived in the Owyhee Mountains. Um, back in the 50s, I think, I, I mean, this was this was a fairly widespread um, uh, legend, I guess, uh, because it, it also extends into, like, Wyoming and Colorado and other parts of, of the West. But the uh, it, back in the 50s, and I think in Wyoming, somebody unearthed a, a mummified human. Pedro. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I think wound up being a, a, I think they determined was a baby that had like encephalitis. I think, yeah. but that, but it, it was attributed, it was attributed to that, like as proof that these, this little race of people existed. Yeah, that was so. The yeah, the San Pedro Mountains mummy is what it was yeah. called. 
Bill, you were talking about this a little bit yesterday to me. I want your perspective on it as well. Have, you've heard of this. Have you, through your research, have you uncovered anybody talking about having encounters or even through your, your ex or anything? So the, <laughs> so the first time that I, I heard about it, somebody said, we should go up there and film because they're there. And I said, what's there? It's the same story I hear. There's little people up there, and they run through the woods and kill you at night. I said, okay, well, I, everything I looked was very much a story. He says, is there any proof? He goes, I've got tons, I'll get you tons of proof. Still has not found me any proof. <laughs> because he says, that, again, everything he looks up is somebody saying, well, in 1952, I took my truck up there and somebody bit, bit one of the tires off. I mean, that's one of the stories I read. Well, that's great, but that's all hearsay. Right. So, so again, like I've never gone up there. It's our friend Ryan that wants to take us up there because he says that there for sure, but he's never seen any proof. There's never, I don't know, it's a hard one. I'd love to go up there and see, but I don't think I'm going to find anything. The, I, I, I can only say as far as what I've read, the references go back to supposedly 1778. The missionary Zeisberger was in the area and reported hearing from some of the uh, the native peoples here about this creature. Now again, who knows how he interpreted it, mm -hmm. uh, how or how he misinterpreted it, and what the actual story was, but in theory that goes back to 1778 before this, what was determined to be actually a child uh, was discovered in 1932. But any, do you have any thoughts on these things? I don't think they're real. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. I mean, the Oahis are a scary place, too. There's a famous, famous murders out there. Claude Dallas, who fancied himself a modern mountain man, was trying to hide from the uh, authorities. And, a, and just randomly, a couple fishing game officers were doing their work and came across all of his poaching, and he killed them and went on trial. And it was a huge, that was another huge trial in Idaho. And he ended up being acquitted at one point. And then, but he ended up, he just, he's out of jail now. Maybe he's here. Maybe. No, I don't think so. In, in this panel room. <laughs> I mean, so it's, it's, it, there I hope a ghost is attending this <laughs> talk. I mean, it's pretty much like marketing to the choir, right? Yeah, right, like, right. So they're like, they're, they've, their hand's been raised this whole time. Yeah, they're like, dang it. They're like, and no one ever calls on me. Nobody calls. If there's only a ghost box here. I could speak. <laughs> there was a ghost. That's I a hack. We should make ghost boxes at Hackfort next year. That would be a, you make your own. Yeah, all it is is it just scans the radio frequencies. And I, think, I, I will say, actually, with that, that was an interesting segue. If anybody has questions about sort of locations around here that you've heard of or other legends and things in the area that you think are worth bringing up, I would love to hear from you guys or just general theories about paranormal or anything going on in this area. Just throw those hands up. Yes. I don't, you know, I know lots of cool old stories from the Hoff building. It was, you know, it's the, it's an Art Deco. It was the Hotel Boise, and there was a restaurant in there called the Lamplighter. All the legislators in the early days would stay there. Um, a couple, actually, there were two. The guy, two guys who were like bellhops, bellboys there. One became the manager of the of the convention uh, center, and the other uh, is. 
is like runs a lot of like the old Boise stuff. So these guys kind of stayed in town, you know, and stayed in these kind of important roles. But the you know one of the stories I know from there was that they they would just remember from their childhood this or you know being teenagers as bellhops that one of the legislators' wives had like so many hats. She had a hat for a different if each day of the legislative session. So they had to like spend all day one day like unloading her giant coterie of hats into the into the basement and then deliver them up to her whenever she needed her next hat. So I think there are definitely characters who've been in and around that space. But what did what did your mom see? So when the radio station was in there, and I think it was at the fifth floor, the one that goes out to the, to the patio, yeah, so when uh, I went to an event there, and they said they had a lot of electrical problems that they couldn't, they said that they were blaming it on a kind of a poltergeisty thing. They said they had a lot of radio, uh, a lot of problems with elect uh, the electrical, so it very much could be something like that. I, and I don't, as the person that's not the local here, I was aware of the Hoff building on my list of locations as from what I was reading was considered the first skyscraper in town and that the crystal ballroom is considered notoriously haunted according to these lists out there so at least the reputation of the lo of the location is out there I again who knows who knows what is there what you know I, I also kind of think sometimes that if you say this is a haunted spot Maybe there's no ghost there, but maybe if enough people show up and start asking questions, either you're creating a ghost, essentially, through all of your attention, or maybe it's like kind of casting out some sort of signal out there, and, and the ghost is like, well, these guys want to talk to me. I guess I'm going to go over here. Right. Uh, like, I, I, w I would like some attention. I don't know. I don't know how it works. I don't know if it works, but uh, I think that's, that's an interesting one. Any other thoughts, locations, questions about locations, history? Uh, Dan, right? Was it? Dan. Dan. Oh, in Gooding? Yeah. 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 Yes. Tell, tell me about it. What what do we know about it and what is said to happen there? Um, well, yeah, it was the state TB hospital for quite a long time. It is now a, um, it's now a hotel that I believe is called the Get In and uh, you can rent it out. Get, like, get in. Get in. You can. Like, run by Larry the Cable Guy? It was the old guy who has it. He's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's that voice. I actually, so I uh, rented the whole building one night and <gasps> stayed there and filmed it. We hung out in the attic. And and the number one thing that they tell you is there's uh, light orbs up in the attic. Okay. So then you go in the attic and you can see holes all through. So every time a car comes by, it, it lights <laughs> stuff up. Uh, it's in, we did this, and it's in Ghostumentary. Um, but then everybody there had really weird feelings the whole time. Mm -hmm. Everybody there felt like they were getting really sick. Um, 
so somebody would just kind of hang out and they'd be sitting in a room. They're like, I feel really nauseous. Um, but there was nothing there that we could really just point out and say that was something. Uh, but it's old and creepy. It's definitely worth going to and, do and you, visiting. Do you think that that feeling, because people have different kind of uh, thoughts on the sort of the, the physical reactions and dare I say sort of the psychic connection to things. Do you trust that feeling? Do you Is that the feeling for you to say like, okay, this is quirky, this is out of the ordinary, maybe this is, maybe, maybe something's going on here and I should pay attention to it. So in the movie, we kept getting touched. I kept getting, what felt like the back of my neck was touching me. And I was like, come on, what is going on? Like it's to the point where it's not even funny anymore. Like it just felt that way, but then it could be spider webs, it could be big pieces of dust landing. So then that freaked everybody else out. And then I think everybody at that point, it just escalated. They just got kind of sicker and didn't feel well. And we were breathing in, breathing in dust and it was late and we were tired. So I don't know. It's, I mean, I don't think anyone ignores it. I just think that, you know, I, I think you can manifest yourself getting sick. Well, knowing I, what's there, right? You get this dread. That's why prisons like old mental hospitals, like there's a reason I think that they're all part of the lore of these sort of creepy places is because you imagine what had happened in there. You imagine all these people dying of tuberculosis under these horrible circumstances and it creeps you out, mm -hmm. right? And you get you get physically ill thinking about it or you go to the old pen and think, I can't believe people are still forced to live here in like 72, right? I mean, that's crazy. You're sleeping in a room where people died. I mean, yeah. that you know people died. Right. They died a horrible death. Badly. It wasn't like, wow, this tuberculosis sure is tough. I think I'll take a nap. Like, people are like, I'm dying. This sucks. So when people die there, obviously they're tortured souls, and you're sleeping in that same room, all comfy and cozy. And, uh, and you're, yeah, you are bringing, I think, you're bringing sort of, yeah, your own baggage into these places. If you know someone that's died horribly of some sort of illness or someone that was incarcerated, you're bringing all of your own personal history into a location as well. And, and it very much could be, so, so we're talking about what exactly is a ghost. Is it just the energy left? It's kind of just like if I'm this horror, the worst feeling in my entire life, I'm dying and then I'm dead. Does that energy just go away or is it now just soaked into the walls or into the air, you know, I don't know. So maybe there's not a ghost there, but there's that horrible feeling that you're going to feel. It's the same way like you know someone's in the room with you or you can sense that somebody's not feeling well. Are you sensing because I'm looking in your eyes and I know you're angry at me? Mm -hmm. Or is it because, you know, I'm sensing it and then does that, that could live mm -hmm. beyond that? It's the same way like when you're walking through the forest and all of a sudden maybe you go, ooh, it feels kind of chill. Like is it because some animal died a horrible death there and then that energy is still there? You don't know. Yeah. Mm. Or are I, you in the woods and it's sometimes chilly in the woods? <laughs> it could be anything. Yeah. It could be the weather, but you don't ever know. Could be all of the above. That's I right. think, just sort of on another note, there is that, and you mentioned this, that he's, he's not exactly local, local, but uh, Dr. De Jeffrey Meldrum, <laughs> Jeff Meldrum, yeah. is the the pretty much the foremost uh, active Bigfoot Sasquatch researcher and he is in the in in the country if not in the world he's out of Idaho State University in Pocatello that's right Pocatello I'd say he's he's arguably the only tenured uh, Bigfoot researcher in the world I would I think that's a pretty safe bet um, what do you what do you think what's your take on on Jeff so work? do you guys know so so he was a he, he studied like the, how bodies worked in terms of bipedal locution, right? He studied how we walk, right? And how the difference between how a chimp sort of walks and a human walks and all this stuff. And so that 
that kind of is his background. And then, I don't know, 30 some years ago, he came across uh, what he was pretty sure was a Bigfoot track up outside of Walla Walla mm. and has been obsessed with it ever since. And he, and in his mind, that the science of, he's like the kids with a, you know, with a fake foot stomper or somebody in a monkey suit or whatever is not, they can't recreate the, the, the physics of an actual footprint, you know, based on, you know, what a six foot five, you know, furry creature would do or whatever, you know, and he's, so he's convinced that he's done the science and the research and he, um, he hasn't proven it, but he thinks it's, there's more evidence to think that, that, that Sasquatch is real. Um, you and he's not skeptical. the most popular guy on the Idaho State campus. But and I, yeah, I was when I was when I was a Boise State spokesman. I was always glad he wasn't on our campus. Really? So you're you're a skeptical <laughs> of, of Jeff's work? I mean, I know I'm sure it's great work. Um, I just don't know how relevant it is. Yeah. He wouldn't talk to me because he thought I was going to make fun of him. Mm-hmm. So I contacted him, asked if I could do an interview, and he watched my movie and said, "No, you're just going to make fun of me." So he's very aware that people don't actually take him serious all the time not all the time i mean there's plenty of people that do i i mean look i obviously i'm i'm kind of speaking from the perspective of someone that works in this world as far as on this panel but look i don't i i don't think there's any topic that you could lay on me that i'm gonna automatically giggle about because i'm like i don't i really just don't know how the universe works so who knows what craziness is going on out there as far as what he says i don't know there's enough people including like jane goodall coming forward and saying, look, there there very well might be these things out there. Every culture has some sort of Sasquatch story to it. And based on what she's seen, she won't come right out and say that she's a believer, but she's open-minded about it. She's not dismissing it either. I think that the work of Jeff, much like, I mean, hell, like 20, uh, this past year, we have congressional reports coming out about we haven't even talked about UFOs, but yeah, about things in the sky from, you know, Air Force reporting things that should they should in theory know what it is that they're encountering, and it wasn't able to discredit or dismiss all those objects. I so I think it is. I I take the stand. I think this stuff is relevant. I think it is worthwhile and and worth investigating. Well, I remember all the books I read as a kid about Sasquatch, and they would be like, you know, gorillas weren't discovered, I guess, by white people for far longer than you think that they should have been or something. And I'd be like, yeah, I held out hope as a kid. I, I, I did hear I that did. one a lot. I held out a lot I think of there's a lot of, a lot of this is not admitting, like, you're so deep into it, you just don't want to admit. So, like, uh, let's just say Loch Ness Monster, mm-hmm. which eventually was discovered was a hoax, originally was a hoax. But millions, if not billions of dollars was spent looking for that. So it's, you get so far into it, you're like, well, I don't want to admit it. So let's just let it go. Let's just say there was a, a Loch Ness Monster at one time. It probably lived 40, 50 years, died, and now it's gone. If there was a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch or a Yeti, let's just say there was, maybe there was, maybe it was 10 or 11. I don't know how many there were. They could have died off years and years ago. That's why we're not finding them. But nobody will admit that. They'll just keep looking. It's like that show, Curse of Oak Island. They're never going to find the gold, ever. And they're never going to admit it, but they're going to keep digging. And I'm going to keep watching this stupid show over and over. Just because I, I know it's not there, but I don't want to admit it's not there, so I'm just going to keep doing it. People keep finding these this folklore, this one little monster or beast that probably, like uh, the Bray Road, uh, yeah. Br- uh, that one, 
that probably if there was one, it probably died years ago. But nobody wants to admit it. They just keep looking for it. Or maybe it's still out there. So it could still be out there. But people like, I think people are more excited about thinking it's there and don't want to know if it really exists. Oh, I want, I want stuff out there. And not only do I, I want to believe, and, I, and I'm, not always die, I'm not always in the diehard believer section. I guess I didn't raise my hand. I'm, I'm in the sliding scale. But I want that stuff to be out there. And I also think that, man, that, that we love to think that we have it all figured out. And I think we operate from a place of arrogance and hubris. And so we think we have the world figured out. And yet on the daily, in the last two years, frequently, we are reminded that there's a lot that we don't know and a lot that can catch us off guard. So I guess I kind of remain in the open-minded side of it that not only do I want it to be out there, I think that it is possible that these things are out there. Uh, nature behaves in a way that we still don't fully understand. The oceans, you know, there's depths of the ocean that we can't, we don't even have sensors to fully, you know, penetrate and look into. So who knows what the hell is out there? Julie will tell you, if we drive to the Oregon coast, I am looking for Sasquatch the entire time. <laughs> to the point that she's and like... And maybe he's, he or she's she is like, looking for you. Pay attention to the road. Yeah, yeah. no, because we're going to become ghosts looking for Sasquatch. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> That's the great irony. Yeah. Uh, before, any other thoughts or questions from you guys out there about locations, about any of these lore, anything we didn't touch on that you feel like has to be brought up about this area? Boise, this is now your time to <laughs> make it known. Yes. Oh, Silver City, yeah. Right. It's another one of these old ghost towns. And so, there, you know, obviously a lot of mining popped up all over Idaho. And the towns that were huge, right, they were the biggest towns in, in the state were like Silver City and Idaho City and uh, Rocky Bar and Atlanta, you know, where we, which I was talking about earlier. And there's tons more, Quartzville, Placerville, you know. And uh, some of them have completely died off in that and there's really nothing left, maybe a handful of, uh, of um, for, uh, you know, structure pieces. You, know, you can tell that something used to be there. Um, Silver City is one of those that people have continued to go back to and, and fix up. So there's, we've kept the buildings up there so the ghosts can stick around, I guess. So you go to like um, Yuba, which is a, was, a, was a town outside of Atlanta, and there's nothing there. Like I still am not sure I've ever found the spot. I know where it's supposed to be. Um, and who knows if those ghosts had a chance to stick around. But when we've kept up the old hotel and we, and we prop up a few other old buildings, then it gives them a place to anchor. Have I you? Think it, oh, sorry. Oh, I was going to go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, have you experienced anything in Silver City? Well, that's what I, I, have, I, have, I have an experience I've written about. Uh, oh. I've done the research on it. There's a couple of ghosts involved with the Ida Hotel, which is I think the kind of neat thing about that area, there's just so much quartz. And, of course, people will say that quartz will record energy or people or things and yeah. play over and over. So if you have a situation like that, where an area that had so much history during that time and so many people, and it's really interesting the amount of places that you could just go camp up there and that probably was a house at one time. It probably could have been anything. It could have been a farm. So I think it's really cool, that aspect of it. And it could be your, the, the energy there has to be off the scale, for especially with just that much Right. Well, it's like Atlanta. If you spend the winter in Atlanta, 
you're either crazy to do it or it makes you crazy. That's what I, there's like it's 10 of them and I, and it's, and it's pretty clear. It's hard to say when the crazy happened, but it definitely happened. Uh, either before or after their first winter in Atlanta. So I mean, that's probably true in Silver City, too. Yeah. Well, let me let me get you to, uh, sir, get shameless plug here. You said you've written a lot about this. Where? What's your name? My name is Bingo Barnes. I'm the former editor of Atlanta Division Research. And every year we always do a, a ghost issues for the newspaper. And so I was reviewing a lot of my own research to see what could get on what new stuff I could write. So Bingo Barnes... Boise Weekly. Former, former, former Boise former Weekly. And we could still find your stuff out there. If you Google it, Bingo Boise Ghost, you can find some stuff. <laughs> I mean, I just want to Google it because it's fun Bingo to say. Bingo Boise Ghost. Bingo Boise Ghost, yes. Okay, and, uh, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Any other thoughts, lore, stories that you want to bring up? Anyone? Well, before, and yeah. I want to throw, you know, Idaho, and I just Googled this this morning to make sure I was right, and according to Google, so clearly it's right. Can't Idaho, be wrong. Idaho is the number one per capita UFO spotting state. Right now, yeah, it seems like there's been an uptick in yeah. sightings in UFOs. Suck it, New Mexico. Yeah, <laughs> lay, lay it on me. Like, So what are your thoughts about that? I, Have well, you seen anything? Are there hot You know, maybe, maybe that is one of those you know, times when new people are bringing in new things um, because I don't remember lots of talk of UFO activity here, which is interesting because we're so close to Nevada. Um, but, you yeah. move here from LA and you look up at the nighttime. You step outside of Boise and you're like, "There's 10 million UFOs up there. What are those things in the sky?" <laughs> and that's, uh, a, that's a great point. Those and are the stars, and, yeah. or Starlink, or you right. know, right. Right. Starlink. Yeah. Starlink. I think. I mean, that was what you know. I think that's caused a huge, giant jump of UFO sightings sure. all over the place. But for here, where you really can see Boise, you know, you can see Orion and a few other things. But as soon as you, you know, you get up to the mountains it is you know the milky way all the way across and it is just really gorgeous and you see every little satellite that comes through let alone a giant string of them right that are you know cause everybody to freak out and even people who didn't report it i mean we know everybody knows somebody who saw those and was like what I, what the hell is those things and then they google it and they figure out what it is and but it, it wouldn't make sense because you know there's that theory that the increased uh, UFO activity, you know, which kind of picked up post-war, was somehow tied to nuclear activity. Yeah. And Idaho certainly has a, you know, nuclear history. It's the first nuclear power town uh, is Arco um, in in southern Idaho. And uh, so it would make sense, you know, if there is some sort of connection there. And, and there's the theory you know, that as areas become more populated and bustling, the mm -hmm. yes, sightings increase. So you could say maybe there's just more people looking at the skies, maybe they're not used to seeing stars or whatever, or maybe they're just being watched more closely as right. the area develops. You know, there's the arguments with that. Well, I was going to say Idaho is about 70% uh, federal land, so there's going to be a lot of dark skies. So you're going to go out and you're going to drive out in the middle of the woods and you're going to look up and see stuff that you normally wouldn't see. So obviously you're going to see more. You might not have seen those satellites flying over yeah. every night, but now you're looking up and you're like, what the heck is that? Right. And a lot of people in Idaho, I know when I go camp or my friends always go camp, they do this. They say, listen, we went camping the night. We got really high and then we saw. Right. <laughs> we drank a bunch and then we saw. We're like, oh, that sounds great. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty essential Depends on how many mushrooms you brought on right. your camping trip. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the area around Ketchum, right, I think is the largest dark sky preserve in the it's an it's an yeah. international dark sky. Yeah. yeah, and then so it yeah to 
Bill's point, there's a lot of places to see. Yeah, and there's things. spots that they'll yeah. say up in the hills that lights come out and crazy things fly. And I, you know, I know people that say, oh yeah, oh yeah, they're up, up there. Like every other third night, I see something land into the woods and it's a UFO. So I've seen lights on Greylock Mountain from our place. In Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. So Greylock Mountain is the, is the closest big mountain, um, and it, it feels like it's right in town. And I did for a summer, I did see a light on the mountain and it was really funny because I was talking to a, a friend of mine who has a place up there and she's very witchy. And I was like, what do you think it was? And she said, probably like somebody's solar lantern that got left huh. up there and just kept recharging itself. And that's what you were seeing. Yeah, this and is I was a woman like, who believes white people evolved from snakes. I know. I know. I was really, I was really hoping they did that answer. <laughs> there's a whole, yeah, there's, that's a whole rabbit hole we can go down. But maybe not for this panel. Before I let you guys go, let's go down the line and tell everybody in the room and also everyone listening to this podcast later, how can people follow you? How can people support your work? Bill. Uh, let's see. Well, if you like movies, uh, May 4th, my uh, I made two feature films uh Last year, one is called uh, Fugged Up. It stars uh, some local talent here, but also has Larry Thomas, who played the Soup Nazi from Seinfeld, and Joe Estevez, he's in it. Uh, and it's going to be at the Egyptian. Ooh. <laughs> Joe, the projectionist, he'll be doing that uh, on May 4th. And then, uh, and then you can just follow. We have our podcast, which is called Eat, Drink, and Be Scary. And there's uh, three other people that are a lot better than me on that. And... Um, Let's see. And then, yeah, you could just find that and stuff. And I got another movie that's coming out um, next year, and it's called TV in Bed. And if you guys watch The Flash, it's uh, Rick Cosnett, who's uh, one of the actors on there. He's uh, in that film. And that's just, um, that should be coming out. And I should say, uh, we're putting to production, or we're showing The Room. Are you guys familiar with The Room? Tommy Wiseau's The Room? Oh, yeah. Uh, September 24th at the Egyptian, and Greg Sestro, who played... Uh, uh, Mark, he's going to be there. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, he's pretty excited about coming out. So anyway, that's it. And cool. you can just find me online, Bill Doty, D-O-T-Y.com. Find me. Cool. All right. <laughs> Julie. Yeah, my um, tarot work is at AltheaTarot.com or on Instagram at uh, TarotAlthea. Or uh, you can follow my personal account, which is Greylock Mountain on Instagram. Um, but, yeah, happy, happy to connect with people. I, you know, I don't do a lot of professional ghost work, uh, but I'll plug my uh, my day job, org is a wonderful little arts organization, and we support art and artists from all over the world, and uh, and here in Boise. Oh, I, I, I should say, I, my ghost documentary is called Ghostumentary, and it's on Amazon Prime, and it's filmed a lot of the stuff that we talked about, so you should watch that, too. And you're working on a sequel. I'm working on a sequel slowly. It's been like three years of the process. Ghosts are hiding. They don't want to come out during <laughs> well, the pandemic. They don't want to get sick. Everybody was home all the time. Right. Like I imagine know, how so annoying weird. that was. You had the house to yourself most yeah. of the day, and yeah. now the kids are doing school at home, and everybody's doing work at home. They don't. They don't need the extra press right now. That must have said. Uh, well, first off, let me thank all of you guys for coming in and hanging in here. That's in the room, and whether you're here physically listening to the podcast. I appreciate you guys listening. Don't forget to subscribe and download each week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to fine podcasts. You could check out our video interviews with the likes of Deborah Ann Wall from True Blood and Reese Darby from What We Do in the Shadows and Our Flag Means Death and David Dasmalshian from The Suicide Squad. He's got a new horror comic out. So you can check out all those interviews at youtube.com slash us. You give me a follow at Aaron Sagers on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. 
Patreon and at Talk Strange Pod on Twitter and wherever you find us. Until next time, be kind, stay spooky, and keep it weird. Thanks, guys.